But remember when I directed you to that verse in the book of Job, you might recall um, in the book of Job, God in chapter 38, verse 8, God says, Who shut in the sea with its doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far you shall come and no further, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. The threat of water, the threat of a flood, which threatens man, and God says, Stop! And he, he brings out the dry land so that man is no longer threatened. And then man rejects God, and there's this change, and now the flood comes. Man is once again threatened by floods because he's lost that protective relationship with God. Okay, so there's this, this theme of water I was talking about. The water as a threat, the only thing protecting man from that threat is God. And water being the chaos, the utter chaos of creation. It takes God's divine word, God's order to draw up the dry land, to make a place, a safe place for man to dwell, to plant a garden, to create man himself, to place him there. And we see that same thing continuing with the story of Noah, because the flood's coming back, it's a recreation event, and how is Noah saved? Through God's help. God tells him to build an ark. In a way, God gives the command which makes possible the dry ground for Noah to stand on. As the floods come down. God's the one who stops the water that threatens man. Come with me now. You always read the Old Testament and the New Testament together. Flip with me to Matthew chapter 8. This is all the way in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. This is on page 7 of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Verse 7 of the New Testament. Flip there. And if you haven't found it, just listen. I'll read this story to you. And it's probably going to be familiar. Listen up. Shh, listen up. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O men of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? That even the winds and sea obey him. You know, there's a there's a similar account of this in in Mark's gospel, um, and Jesus literally he stands up in the boat, and he says, "Stop!" And they stop. The sea is calmed. The waves stop flooding in. The disciples are in panic and they're bailing out the boat which is filling up with water. They're going to be drowned. It's like a flood all over again. And they look over to Jesus, and I just, I love that image so much. 
Jesus is asleep in the boat. He's asleep. And what does that imply about Christ? Is it that he doesn't care about them perishing? He doesn't, he's not, he's, he doesn't, you know, he can't be bothered. He's too high and mighty. He, why should he worry himself with such matters? He's asleep. Why is he asleep? Yeah. He knows they're not going to come to any harm. And how does he know that? Yeah, and even more so, too, I think, because he is in complete control. Jesus isn't afraid of a storm. He is in complete control. Just like God, God's the one who holds the waters at bay. Jesus, being that God, is in complete control. He's not afraid of the water. He's just at peace. And when the disciples say, hey, we're, we're perishing here, we're dying, maybe you could wake up and do something? Hey, he chastises them. Where's your faith? Why? Because they're supposed to recognize that, that he's there. That he's in complete control. That he's... You know, he is the God who holds the waters at bay, and they have nothing to fear so long as he is with them. It's, it's an amazing thing, and it's a real, I think it's a real strong connection between the story of the flood, that general theme of water in the early chapters of Genesis, and the New Testament. And you're supposed to recognize, along with the apostles, that the man who's standing there in the boat who can just speak to creation and creation listens, is the one true God and creator of the universe. And so why read? Why bother reading the Old Testament? Why read stories like Noah's Ark? We're Christians. We're just supposed to get to know Christ. So why bother with the Old Testament, like Israelite stuff? Well, because if you read the Old Testament Israelite stuff, if you read the book of Genesis, if you read the story of Noah's Ark... And then you read the New Testament, it hits different. You see an angle of it you didn't see before. You'll get the message now. You'll get the message that was lost on the apostles um, until shortly afterwards. And they worship him afterwards. They bow down and they worship him. Because they know, if, and if anyone who reads the Old Testament knows, God is the one who controls the sea. And then when you see Jesus controlling the sea, just, just saying stop and everything stops and is calm, you recognize that's my God. He is my God. Which is such a, it's a much more powerful, it's not just, oh, Jesus did something impressive, some miracle. No, you're supposed to go further. That's my God. And you bow down and you worship him. And there's something more too. You should also recognize that for Noah and the inhabitants of the earth, there's this terrifying prospect of the flood coming. And they're subject to the flood. The flood is a real risk for them. They can die in the flood. And there's real, there's, it's a real, um, well, it's just a very serious threat. But 
just like the story of Noah communicates to us, if God is on your side, you actually don't have to worry about anything. God takes care of it. Why in the world would you be afraid? If you have, if, if God is your friend, if Christ is your friend, what in the world could you possibly have to fear? You're going to fear some sort of financial ruin, some sort of humiliation, some sort of failure, some sort of distress, some kind of natural disaster, really? None of that's a concern if Christ is on your side. God can so easily arrange the events of human history, can so easily protect those who are faithful to him. And so just as Noah's righteousness, Noah's dedication to God saves him from the most ridiculous catastrophe in like Earth's history. And it's not even hard. It's just make a boat. Then so too for you, if you cling to Christ and you're with Christ on the boat, if you stay close to him, you become friends with him. You're given the same opportunity and so much more. You can just walk around through your life with God on your side and you don't have to be anxious about anything. He's right there. So when the, the apostles are anxious, save us, we're dying here. There's a great storm. We're worried about it. He just says, where's your faith? And so similarly, you might encounter something in your life. You're like, God, I'm, uh, we're, I'm struggling here. I'm drowning I'm drowning under my homework, under these family obligations. I'm, I'm suffocating with all the pressure that's put upon me, with worrying about the future, with not knowing what I want to do with my life. And even so, and perhaps most importantly, with my own sins, I see, Lord, in my heart that I am not, I am not enough in love with you. I'm not dedicated enough to you. I'm disloyal and I'm greedy and impatient and selfish and prideful. And I don't know what to do with that. It feels like the waters are up to my neck and I'm drowning in it and I'm helpless and I can't control it. And he looks at you and he says, where is your faith? Have a little faith. Am I not right here? Notice God lets the apostles... Christ in the boat lets the apostles get a little scared first. He doesn't just prevent the storm from ever coming. He tests their faith first. Let's see what happens when the storm comes. It's not like nothing is ever going to bother you in life. It's not like you'll never have a have a a real challenge. The point is you can't let it get into your heart and make you anxious. He will save you. He will change you. He will protect you. You have to have faith, though. And there might be some, you know, there might be some pretty intimidating lightning and thunder and waves and wind and water first. But the point is to not let those win, to hold to your faith. Trust that the Lord is sleeping in the boat. And you know what? With true faith, you can let him sleep. That's the most remarkable turn of it all. With true faith, you can let him sleep. You won't have to desperately cry out for help in the same way with anxiety and nervousness that you're going to perish. No, you can trust that he knows what's best and you can let him sleep. I think that's what the mystics do. I think that St. Saint, Saint John of the Cross, that's with the, the dark night of the soul. 
It's when you let Christ sleep and you don't demand that he make himself known. So reading, reading the Old Testament gives you this new kind of lens through which you can see the New Testament. Um, and I like Noah's story for that reason. It always makes me think of, of this one. Um, 